Welcome to the HCC podcast series, a series supported by Roche, but developed entirely for and by physicians at the request of many of you. Each podcast episode has a specific focus on key aspects in the treatment of advanced liver cancer, ranging from indication to choice of regimens and patient follow-up. If you like this podcast, be sure to check out the Rush Pro platform for more scientific information on the latest data within the domain of liver cancer. Welcome in this series on HEC, this uh, special HEC expert podcast series. I'm Christopher Slippe, I'm a hepatologist and digestive oncologist working in Leuven, Belgium. We welcome today Professor Jeroen de Kervel, who is a digestive oncologist in Leuven, Belgium, and Madame Noëlle Pierlet. She is the head of the data science team of a big hospital in Belgium, also the hospital Oost-Limburg in Genk. And she conducts research on uh, biomedical data sciences and especially the quality of real-world data. So, Jeroen, my first question to you, what is really the importance of a podcast on real-world data? Why should we uh, really talk about this uh, uh, aspect in, uh, in the field of liver cancer? Or more in general, what is the importance of real-world data in the medical field and what is the importance for physicians? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for this question. I think this is a really uh, interesting uh, discussion. Uh, you have to know that with the emergence of electronic patient files in every hospital now, it's really it become quite easy to gather a lot, a lot of data on real-world practices. And this is really interesting. There's a lot you can do with it. Um, and, I, and so I think it's, it's really timely that we have this podcast and we ask ourselves the question, what can we do with this data and what can we not do with this data? Novella, can you give a precise definition of real-world data, please? Yes, real-world data is actually data that is gathered in the context of routine clinical care. Uh, when you go to a physician, he measures your blood pressure and he registers that in the electronic medical record. That is real-world data. You can also add all the data that is collected through wearables, uh, how many steps you set, uh, do on a day, how many, what is your heart rate uh, when you sleep. That's also real-world data. Actually, it is all the data that is gathered when you're not in a clinical trial. Mm. So, and I think this is really the, the most important distinction. Most of real world data is observational data. So it comes from yeah, observational trials uh, in which the investigator of, of such a trial stands at the sideline and observes the, 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 what is happening to the patient or what is happen, happening to the person um, in front of him and writes this down. And this can either be retrospectively or prospe uh, prospectively and prospectively. The quality of the data, of course, will be uh, somewhat better. But we have to make the distinction between this kind of Of, of research and prospective clinical interventional trials where a researcher, for example, in the context of a randomized trial, will assign a certain procedure or a certain drug to a certain uh, patient or, or, or person. And this is this is really dif different. And, and, and the, the, the fundamental difference between the two approaches, for example, to make a comparison between two uh, medical strategies, between two interventions. So the, 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 the really important difference is that the two groups that you compare 
there in an observational trial might not be the same. And so there is always uh, bias, for example, bias by indication. And you can give drug A to patient uh, X because of this or this reason and drug um, B to patient uh, Z uh, for, for other reasons. So there, these groups are fundamentally uh, different. And this is something we try to correct for in a randomized mm -hmm. controlled trial where we think that the outcome, the distribution of the outcome between the two groups is in fact the same. So if we do not do any intervention in such a randomized trial in those two groups, then we expect that the outcome parameter we try to measure, that it is the same. And, and if we see a difference in such a randomized yeah. trial between the two groups, then we think there's a causal relationship uh, between the intervention and of course the difference that we yeah. see. And this is fundamentally different from, yeah. from a, an observational okay. study. Novella, uh, can you comment on data quality in observational uh, research or uh, real-world data? What about data quality there? Yes, that's that's very important uh, because uh, data the data is registered in routine care. So if the data that is in for interest of in your research question is not part of that routine care, then it is not there, or it is the data scientist who starts interpreting the data. For example, if you you uh, have research question where you don't want. Uh, patients with diabetes in your uh, uh, cohort, I as a data scientist start selecting the patients uh, with diagnosis diabetes and I remove them from the data set. But uh, women who are pregnant and get uh, diabetes through their pregnancy, should I include them or exclude them if I don't say this to the researcher mm -hmm. uh, what I did, then it might bias the, the yeah. it might ruin the research. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And you can draw a parallel in HCC research, where, for example, disease etiology, uh, so it, the etiology uh, under, of the underlying liver disease is, is, is really important. Um, and so it's the, the, the fact that you can draw any conclusions on your real world data is very much related to um, to, to the quality of the entrance of, for example, the, this, 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 this etiology, which is not always black and yeah. white. As But is it not that. possible to con correct for these confounders? Uh, the Yeah, are so our data specialists not smart enough mm, to correct for absolutely all this? Absolutely, they are. And, and so if you can you can have a certain statistical methods uh, to correct for unequal distributions in, in, in groups. Uh, so you can uh, level this out uh, using, for example, propensity-matched analyses. This is one uh, technique. Um, the, the, the problem is that using parameters to, to level the differences out between two groups is always quite crude, which means that, that we do not capture all the, the differences and there is remaining bias. There's um, what we call hidden bias or, or unaccounted bias uh, that remains to have an impact, that remains having an impact on, on, on the, the results of our analysis. Yeah. Uh, we are now bombarded by all these real world data, many publications, many data. And uh, so when I, I listen very carefully to both of you and is this completely useless, these observational data or should we stop doing this or is there still a place for this type of research and uh, which type of scientific questions can be indeed answered by real-world data? Definitely, there is a lot of uh, research being done on observational data and really good research being done on observational data, but it all depends on the research question. And you have to take into account that it is observational data and that you will have 
a larger group of patients. When you have a, a randomized clinical trial, you select your patients through inclusion criteria and exclusion criteria, and you give them a treatment part that you have full control of. It does not exist in observational data. You don't know what patients have, what comorbidities they have. And that's exactly why that observational data is so rich, because the world is bigger than just that small group of patients that you used in your randomized clinical trial. The world is exactly all those patients with comorbidities who do not adhere to the inclusion and exclusion criteria. So uh, the patients you miss, actually. Jeroen, can you give some examples in the field of HCC where you think that there is a place for real-world data uh, studies? So as Noella said, certainly to confirm the efficacy of, uh, of or to confirm the findings of randomized controlled trials to see whether we are doing as good as in the trials in uh, real-world practice. And this is one very, very important point. But also, for example, to monitor more rare side effects of certain drugs or certain interventions, the might, things that might occur, one in 10,000 patients. This is something you most likely will not capture in, in, in a randomized controlled yeah. trial over several hundred patients. So th- there it is really important. Also, to see some time trends. And the question is, do we do better now in HEC care, for example, than 10 years ago, than 15 years ago? This is something you can compare very well using observational data, using real-world data. So there is absolutely uh, value. The the only problem is when we want to compare uh, compare effectiveness of two medical strategies, then it becomes uh, somewhat dangerous. And we have to be really careful with the conclusions. The conclusions should be always hypothesis generating, very um, modest uh, formulated, and also always be confirmed in yeah. the context of, of, of clinical... And then suppose uh, you are in a committee on guidelines, national, international, we have these real data, there is a discussion going on that there are some interesting insights that come from these data. May they have impact on the guidelines? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that we have to be very careful? Well, we have to be careful. I think they can be mentioned in the guidelines, they can be referred to in, in guidelines. Uh, but uh, they cannot be used to uh, state that one strategy, one interventional strategy is preferred above the other. And they can, for example, uh, provide data on, on whether it is safe to use a drug in a certain context um, where it was not tested in, in clinical trials, for example. It's all about safety. Um, but, but again, and comparative, um, comparative statements are, are, are quite difficult with, with these data. I fully agree. Observational data uh, and observational studies really have their place, but you should uh, make a a clear distinction where you should prefer the randomized clinical trials. Okay, thank you. So I have some takeaway messages from this very interesting discussion. I thank you both for the stimulating discussion. So we witness an increased availability in real-world data, also in the setting of systemic therapy for HCC. We have to know, of course, the context in, in which uh, data are collected. And we have to make a very clear difference between an interventional study and then the observational assembled data. Still, it's considered useful. if We, of course, uh, ask the right scientific questions dependent on the availability of this data. But it's absolutely not useful to use real-world data when you have to compare two therapeutic strategies and We all are believers of randomized control trials, of course, expensive, huge effort, but uh, the science that is coming from these data are important to guide our therapeutic practice. Uh, 
And I would like to thank you both for sharing your insights. And I invite the listeners of this podcast also for the other podcasts that we are developing in the field of HCC. Thank you very much.